Welcome in Rose City to Soccer Made in Portland. I'm Ryan Clark, joined by Chris Reifer, as always, on this Thursday, September 7th, 2023. A little Today Show-style uh, intro there to, to give you the full full date and year. Um, Chris, Chris, what are, you, what are you into this week? What are the vibes uh, in, in your stratosphere? The, the vibes are grindy. Like that, that, that's basically what the vibes are, which honestly feels like about where, uh, the vibes with PTFC are right now. Like it kind of just grindy, the timbers grinding their way toward whatever inevitable conclusion this season comes to. And the thorns grinding through uh, a little bit of a difficult stretch where they've got to figure some things out to, to make it work. So, uh, I think I'm on the same page, uh, as them, hopefully more on like the thorns side of optimism than the, than the timber side of optimism, which, you know, feels like a, a grind to nowhere. But yeah, the vibes are grindy. Yeah, no, I, I I think it would be better to to be in that sort of position where there's there's slight uncertainty, but you figure you'll probably come out of it at the end, right? Yeah. Versus versus a sort of of feeling of of dread and and wonder if maybe there is even a glimmer of hope uh, in in the season. Although, look, you know, starting with the Timbers, like they they showed some metal in in that second half after what was I think an abysmal first half against Seattle they were definitely aided by Leo Chu getting the yellow card uh and and Seattle dropping down to 10 men but there was that stretch you know where they scored the two goals Evander scored what I think might be his best goal in a Timbers uniform um and and they they showed resolve and Dyron Espria you know the the emotion of scoring a header on the anniversary of his dad's passing I think that was a really special moment uh for him BS that he got a yellow card as, as many have pointed out, but you know, the ref in the moment may not have known the full context of the situation. Also, he didn't like to, to, to beat a dead horse on that. They, they gave him the card, even though he didn't fully take the shirt off the way that, that Leo Chu did. It was more of a, a lift over the face. And that was in order for Dyron to reveal the, the picture of his dad that was on there. But you know, overall performance, I think, uh, you know, was very mixed again for for the Timbers. It's sort of like a tale of two halves for them the last few matches, which I guess is better than having two bad. Yeah, halves, having it be a, a single tale of both halves being terrible. <laughs> yeah, which was the case for like five games before the the last couple. So um, I don't know. It's it's a very like shrug shoulders, you know, except whatever is going to happen is going to happen with, with the Timbers right now. They, they still very much, you know, have a chance to make it into the postseason. but as I wouldn't say very much before they have a chance. I wouldn't say they very much have a chance. Well, I, I, I say that only in the context of like the West is just so bad top to bottom that it is, even though there is less of a chance than maybe I, I would have phrased there. <laughs> it's just so wide open. And, and, the quality, especially in that like four through 10 range is just terrible. And there's a lot of pretenders at the top too. So, you know, I, I'm not by any means saying the Timbers are suddenly going to jump into the postseason and start pulling up sets and, and make a miraculous run on, on the back of Felipe Mora and, you know, Evander's revival and whatever the heck would happen. But I I do think that despite all of the, the real, visible struggles and being one of the worst teams in the conference that somehow the timbers are still sort of hanging around here they're not mathematically eliminated and and there is a there is a chance uh that they could work their way into the postseason but look i mean this team has been hovering around 1.1 points per game now for a long 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 time and yes it's been a hover right they they periodically get a little bit higher and a little bit lower than that but that's kind of just been the lodestar of where they've been now for months and months and months virtually the entire season really that's exactly where they're at right now. And I, you know, I haven't seen anything that suggests to me that that's about to change. And I think that very much applies to the Seattle game as well. Look, if the Timbers can play every game 11 v 10 uh, from here on out, uh, then maybe I would say they very much have a chance <laughs> to get to the postseason. Uh, sadly, that's not going to be the case. And frankly, when the game was 11 v 11 against Seattle, it wasn't particularly competitive. And so, you know, I, that is all. Yeah, I mean, in many ways, I, I sort of came away from the game feeling like it was it was kind of just a good troll. It was a it was a great troll of the Sounders for whom dropping those two points was genuinely very damaging. It was a great troll for of the Sounders because they just cannot beat the Timbers in Seattle right now. 
Oh, and so it was sort of a delightful way to put a little, a little, a little ray of hope uh, in Sounders fans' eyes uh, in 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 the first half, going up to zero, and then squash that hope in a cruel and rather enjoyable way. And so that was all great. But I mean, is there anything in terms of what it does for the Timbers in the table? or what it shows for the Timbers in terms of form that makes me think that there is very much a chance that they can get into the postseason. No, there's not. I, I mean, when the game was, was on balance 11 v 11, it was going very poorly and the Timbers looked very much like the kind of team that does not have much of a chance of making its way into the postseason, let alone doing anything worth anything once they get there. And yeah, I think they were better for periods when they went up a man uh, after Leo Chu got sent off. Uh, and and certainly Evander's goal was was phenomenal and a nice little build up to that goal as well. I, I thought that was a well-worked goal. Great for Dyron Espria, who is a notorious now Sounders killer uh, to to get uh, to to get his goal there. And so credit to them for for getting that done. But I don't think it says a whole lot about the future for for this team oh you know in terms of the 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 shirt taking off after uh after goals rule i i don't frankly i don't really care to parse the line between what is and what is not taking off your shirt uh it's a stupid rule but it's a rule that everybody knows that's always been there and if you do anything like that you're 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 probably going to get booked and you know, for Espria, it was probably just the cost of doing business, right? He knew he was he was flirting with getting booked if he did something like that. He did it. The referee had given one to Leo Chu earlier in the game for at least something similar. Um, and so you know, I understand why the referee gave it. I'm not up in arms about any of that. Uh, it's a stupid rule, <laughs> right? I mean, like, can we get over it? Uh, it's not worth a yellow card. Like, you know, as long as Somebody's not wait, you know, wasting an inordinate amount of time or or doing something ridiculous or unsportsmanlike. Who cares? But it it is it has always been the rule. Everybody who's watched any meaningful amount of soccer, let alone played it professionally, knows that. And and that's just just how it goes. Uh, candidly, I I thought the second yellow card on Leachu was a little bit soft. Uh, I think the Timbers were kind of fortunate uh, in that moment. I I thought it was a foul on Chu, but I. I mean, I was a little bit surprised that uh, that the referee went to the pocket uh, on that one. An interesting note on that, um, you know, at training this week, um, you know, some some folks around the club uh, noted that it was one of the first times from their perspective that the Timbers had benefited from a soft yellow this season. It was it was their opinion and and. in in this season that the Timbers had sort of not gotten the benefit of, of those, uh, which I, I found interesting. The person was Merritt Paulson. He was at, (laughs) he was at Timbers training as he, as he regularly is uh, these days. And he, he, um, he shared that opinion with, with the media and staff that were in attendance. It's an opinion. I mean, you know, I, I think the Timbers have certainly had some soft yellows that have, that have hurt them at times this year. Evanders, when he got sent off against what in what, whichever league's cup game that was, uh, certainly comes to mind. Uh, but I think you could probably fill up a legal pad full of reasons why the Timbers are in the position that they are uh, before you get to the referees. And yeah, it's not even in like the top 10. It's not even in the top hundred. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, uh, so, so yeah, like, I, I, I don't think the opinion is wrong. I just think the opinion is kind of irrelevant. Uh, and, and, and so, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, and so, you know, I, I, I largely came, came away from the game mostly feeling the Schadenfreude, right? That was the, that was the strongest emotion coming out of the Timbers draw, uh, in, in, in Seattle was the, the, the Schadenfreude and the pain inflicted. Uh, on what is truly a pretty mediocre Sounders team, uh, and 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 on uh, you know the 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 friendly rivalry pain that 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 is inflicted on their fans that we all enjoy. Uh, but in terms of what it does for the Timbers, uh, I I think the takeaways are minimal. 
they sort of tread water when they can't really afford to tread water in the table. And in terms of what it says about the future going forward, I think it says little, if anything at all. Uh, so yeah, no, you know, I, I, there is a chance that they can nonetheless climb out of the, the basement. They are second to last now in points per game, uh, in, in the Western conference. They have three teams just between them and the red line, uh, let alone, uh, let alone getting over the hump and, and passing that fourth team to get up to ninth. And, you know, I, I, I think it, they have a, a, a chance. Uh, it's a mathematical chance, uh, and it's a mathematical chance that is waning with each passing week. Yeah, and, you know, things do not obviously get easier this coming weekend. Obviously, the, the Timbers are going to be missing several players, Miguel Araujo, Juan Mosquera, um, and others. Are Dario be, Zuperich. Uh, yeah, Dario Zuperich with, uh, with the yellow card. Brian Acosta, also on international duty. Uh, the other two I mentioned, Mosquera, uh, Mosquera and Araujo, are both on international duty as well. So that's tough. You know, the LAFC comes to town. Um, they'll be without Denny Bawanga, who, you know, maybe some LAFC fans after that game against Inter-Miami are like, thank goodness. That was he's, wild. He's I, I mean, honestly, that like that's a more fun game to talk about than the, than the Timber Sounders game. Because that game was yeah. truly wild. Uh, just a total faceplant from Bawanga in particular uh in in a game and look there's there's a lot going on sort of in the background uh right now especially with uh with with Gabo and his his home country so you know i mean there's a lot going on there but i mean my goodness it was you know he's an mvp mvp candidate maybe i mean at at least an arguable sort of leader or co-leader for the MVP race, I think Hani Mukhtar is probably the the other uh, co-leader uh, there. And this was the biggest stage in terms of a regular season game that he was going to get to sort of make his case. He was awful. Awful in that game. Yeah, uh, he shriveled in the spotlight in that one. That was that was really, really rough, particularly just given the stage. Yeah, and... So that I mean that that was really interesting because I mean it, it was a rare game in which a really dramatic wild underperformance from a single player turned the game on its head. LAFC was in total control and they were creating chances basically at will even after Miami got the first LAFC was all over that game but those chances just time after time after time died at the foot of Denny Boanga. Um and 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 by the second half, it just kind of felt like they'd given up, uh, and 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 Miami was all over it. I I don't know. I mean, I mean, maybe Messi truly is like a Jedi or something. And and not only does he have like you know his own ability to do to do remarkable things, he has effects on opponents on the other side of the field uh that 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 keep him that keep them from doing the routine things that they have done over and over and over again uh that would put them in a position does playing against him give teams like the yips like do they actually like freak out and you know worry about the the spotlight and the stage i mean these these certainly felt like players it certainly felt like that um uh it, it certainly felt like that for for lafc at least i think there are teams that have played well against Miami and have kind of had some bad luck go their way, either in penalty shootouts or, uh, or, you know, very late goals. The thing about late, late goals, uh, for Miami, they've scored a ton of them to change results, uh, in, in this run. That is luck. I mean, we, we, we can talk about all, all, all that kind of stuff, but the number of them that they've had is luck and screams that they are due for regression to, to the mean. And yet here was another game in which they frankly got pretty thoroughly outplayed for the first 45 minutes. Very easily could have been down multiple goals at halftime. Very easily should have been down multiple goals at halftime. And yet just wild stuff from LAFC. Yeah, pretty insane resolve instilled on a team just just by these these new and you know highly touted and unbelievably well experienced players right it's like this this is was the last place team in the east and was just horrific and just downtrodden and you know bad body language and all all the classic signs of a bad mls team we have seen that plenty here in the rose city this year right like so 
for it to just turn on its head like that and and be influenced so greatly by Tata Martino, by by Messi, by Busquets, by Jordi Alba, who I think was amazing in that game, Jordi Alba. Yeah, I mean, look, to be clear, I think if you put Messi, Busquets, and Jordi Alba on the Timbers, they would also go on a run, and then I would agree <laughs> with you that the Timbers have, have a, have a, have a, you know, very much have a chance, uh, to get into the playoffs, as I think that could, Miami very much has a chance to get into the playoffs, but those guys aren't walking Messi, through that door, so. Yeah, no, yeah, it could, could Lionel Messi unlock Evander is the question that, that, but the, the, the obvious answer for that is yes. Um, he, yeah, he could I, certainly well, unlock himself and that would be enough in its own right. Yeah. Him by himself is, is, has proven that it, it changes the game entirely. My gosh, what a, what a stretch um, for them and, and what an entertaining thing to, to watch. So it's so LAFC comes in after that game um, after taking on Messi in Miami to Portland uh, to to face the Timbers, this is a an interesting one because of the sort of parody and and common incompetence that exists. Mediocrity. In I mean, conference. it's not even parody; it's yeah. just mediocrity. Like that's all it is. Yeah. So so like the the opportunity is there for the Timbers to pick up points in games that you know if we looked back, um, you know, two months ago and we were looking ahead to, to this water. game, we, we'd be like, oh yeah, they're done for. Like they're <laughs> they're going to get slaughtered. Now at this point. Like it's it's very much an open open opportunity for them to to pick up points here at home against a team that's that's slightly shorthanded that's not in terribly good form, um, despite the the talent gap here. Yeah, and, and you know the the standings gap. Yeah, you know, I mean, this is just an LAFC team that hasn't been the same since the end of Concacaf Champions League, since they lost in the final. Uh, they were on fire early in the season, both in CCL and in MLS. Uh, it actually looked like it, they were poised for a pretty extraordinary uh, year in which they would manage to be both good in MLS and CCL. And the way that has gone for MLS teams in, in Champions League in the past, or whatever it's called now, CCC or whatever they're calling it, uh, is is that they struggle during the tournament. And then at some point, once CCL is over, they kind of get back into things and their their league form picks up. It's been the exact opposite for LAFC. They were great in MLS during Champions League. And they have just, it's like after losing the final, they just absolutely fell off the map. Uh, and they've been really poor. I, you know, St. Louis is, has basically consolidated its position at the top of the West, which is absolute nonsense. Because they've been basically a 500 team ever since that season opening five game win streak that they went on. Uh, and yet they are, they are, you know, point two points per game clear of the field. They're six points clear of the Sounders with a game in hand, seven points clear of LAFC. Uh, and they, you know, I mean, it, just based on the form of everybody else around them, it looks like it's going to be challenging for anybody to catch them, even though St. Louis hasn't been great. Uh, so this LAFC team just has not been playing well at all, uh, since, uh, in, in over the course of the last couple months and, and they're going to be without their best player, uh, coming into Portland. So it certainly is an opportunity, but look, you can also talk about the Timbers absences in Juan Mosquera. That's going to be, that's a significant one. And then of course, Dario Zuperich, who's, uh, who's been, you know, one of their more reliable players on the year. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and Araujo, who would have been his fill in, uh, had he been here. Uh, I think you can look at the back line and say, boy, that's, that's still not great. And there's still, I mean, Carlos Vela is old, but he's still Carlitos Vela, right? Um, he can still do some damage. Uh, and there are other players on LAFC. They've got their new DP striker, uh, who can do some damage and you know i mean what i say the timbers notwithstanding everything we've just talked about with lafc are favored in this game no i probably wouldn't say that uh and 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 so but is it a game in which they probably need uh to get points yeah they need to get points and they need to maximize points in basically every game from here on out because if they don't they're not even gonna get back to the sort of minimum competency line of qualifying for the expanded 19 playoff. And the upcoming stretch is really interesting too, because you know, you, you can't, 
you can't count any of these games as sort of well we're we're going to lose that so forget about it they they all need to to be points and and probably three points to to be quite honest if they really want a chance to to get in there um they play LAFC on Saturday and then the next weekend on the road at Austin back home for two games against San Jose and Colorado got to get six out of those two very I mean, clearly yeah have to and, yeah and then they're back on the road at LA Galaxy who are actually uh, playing better and have passed the Timbers yeah. now in points per game even though they just like didn't show up for the first half of the season yeah yeah so look th- those games are all against teams in their sort of area and then at Montreal right? a team that's at, playing yeah. significantly better than the Timbers right now and then home against Houston Houston might be the hottest team in the west at the moment yeah and that's a team that you know if things shake out a certain memory way, doesn't have to be, be super long to remember what Houston did to Portland down in Houston. B- believe me, the, the memory, a lot of the team has tried to probably erase it from their minds or, or if they haven't done that, they've, they've used it as bulletin board material. Not enough hopium motivated. in the world to smoke to make folks forget that one. No, no, there, uh, there's no, uh, no hopium to be found there for, for, that that was that was the worst game of the season by far. Um, but but you know that Houston team could very well be the the team or one of the teams that the Timbers are jockeying with to get that nine seed. You I, know, I think Houston's going to be well seed. clear of that by then. Co- yeah, Coco well, given their form, I yeah. for them right now. Yeah, I think they're they're on an ascending route rather than descending. Right now, the the biggest one on that list that could be, you know, a determining match is the San Jose one because San Jose has struggled as of late and they're at 36 points. Timbers are at 30. Um, FC Dallas is a question mark. They're not going to play the Timbers, but that's they're They're at nine right now with 34 points. And then the Austin game's huge too, because Austin's at 33 uh, in the, in the 10 spot two two above the Timbers. So all of those are very much shuffleable, results if you can if you can pull them off and i mean i i don't have a whole lot of faith in in consistency from this timbers team they have still yet to win two consecutive matches this season like the entire season 27 games they have not won two in a row during those 27 games which is a, a pretty serious sign of mediocrity if you're if you're a team in any league let alone mls um so I don't know. I, I, I have very little expectations these days uh, showing up for, for Timbers games, whether it's at Providence Park or, or watching them virtually. They, they could surprise us. They, they could sneak into the playoffs. But again, to what end? There is the sort of underlying intrigue of if they do get in to that play-in game, maybe they host the play-in game. Maybe they advance and play St. Louis, who everybody around MLS that that I talk to believes is more of a pretender than a contender. You know, there there is that very faint little underlying narrative of what if, right? But I just I everything I've seen so far leads me to believe the opposite. So yeah, I mean, there's you know, <laughs> it, it it's just sort of the 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 what if that remains as long as a team is mathematically not eliminated. And that is where the Timbers are. They are mathematically not eliminated. <laughs> but I mean, if you're looking, if you're looking at past uh, as as prologue for what's to come, there are very few reasons for hope. On that note, <laughs> we'll we'll uh, we'll move on to the Portland Thorns, who lost a tough match on the road at uh, Racing Louisville, Rossing Louisville. Uh, last weekend they were up one zero and then sort of fell apart in in the second half really were outplayed for the entire match overall it it was a it was one that i thought you know they easily could have lost four to one given how many chances smacked off the post or went off the crossbar barely missed or were mishit by racing louisville um i think more of a a indicator that the thorns should not have been in that type of situation given the lack of quality that was displayed in those moments by racing louisville that's not a very good louisville team they're very much they're okay on the not on the playoff no they're they're playoff fringe in nwsl they could make something interesting in in a you know first round playoff game but i don't think they're semi-finalists i don't think that they're 
a team that can make a deep run, even when they have all their players. And they didn't. That's the other thing. The, they had a bunch of injuries and a yellow card suspension and, no, so and everything DeMello. else. Yeah. Yeah. Sab, Sab DeMello is an amazing player and, and they didn't have her. Look, it, it was a really, you know, concerning performance, I think, from the Thorns. Something that, you know, we talked about a little bit off air. Um, could, if, if they're not careful, be a portent of portents of what is to come uh, for, for them. If they don't find that level of consistency and control of the game defensively in particular that they had in that Washington game, that, that was, that was a really strong performance despite the result. Yeah. And then you go in your next game to a team that is worse than Washington markedly and, and sort of lay an egg. And, and I, I, if I'm Mike Norris and, and the thorns right now, you know, without Sophia Smith for probably at least one more game, um, you got to start putting the other pieces together in, in more consistent ways. Otherwise you're, you're in real danger of an upset once the playoffs roll around. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you hit the nail on the head in calling the performance concerning and, and it is the, the juxtaposition against the, the performance at Washington in Washington. They showed that you don't have to dominate a game to be in control of it. But this was an example of not dominating a game and also not having any control over it. Uh, and, uh, it's, it surprised me, especially given how weakened Louisville was. I, I thought the Thorns were going to be able to come in and, and sort of progress from where they were in Washington. I thought, uh, the, the circumstances sort of lent it themselves to, to doing that. And they just, I mean, they, they kind of pulled a Denny Buonga faceplant. Um, and I, you know, I'm, I'm reluctant to jump to too many conclusions too quickly about this because they have very genuinely changed pretty significantly the way they've played uh, over the course of the last six weeks or so. And they're still working, still working. We talked about how this was going to be a process, World Cup players back into the team. And so I'm, I'm open to this being a, a hiccup in sort of in the vein of of growth is not linear and they're still in the process of kind of growing into this new system uh and 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 this being just part of that process i think that's a possibility but it's also concerning uh because you can't be that conservative if you can't control the game and i think there are good reasons to want to be more conservative and you saw them in, in washington uh, than the Thorns were early in the season in which games were open and turning into track meets and shootouts, many of which the Thorns won because they can win shootouts. But that happens less late in the season than it does early in seasons. And, 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 and you know, this creates some degree of doubt in my mind about whether they're going to be able to consistently control games being a bit more conservative. Now, I think I so so yes I think concerning is exactly the right word. I am not hitting the panic button by any means. The Thorns are still very competitive in the table. Uh they uh they in many ways control their own destiny because yeah, they're number 2 right now uh, behind San Diego who after their win against Houston uh, uh over the weekend they're a point above the Thorns right now for for that number 1 spot. And whom the Thorns play? Uh, yeah. in, in the stretch run. And so the Thorns control their own destiny here. Uh, I think it is totally possible uh, that we will see more performances more akin to what we've seen in Washington and better as they grow into this approach in this game model uh, than, than what we saw against Louisville. But I also think there's cause for concern. So I'm, I'm kind of waiting and seeing with how the Thorns show up in their next... I mean, the next one's a huge one. Against the rain at home, it's got it's got all the storylines. Megan Rapinoe's sort of Providence Park farewell, which will be a deeply ambivalent farewell. Uh, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of respect and also a, maybe some dislike uh, <laughs> uh, for, for her. I think that's basically probably the Thorns fans' uh, typical response to Megan Rapinoe. Respect, yeah, it- respect the heck out of her. Also. Just don't make me talk about it a lot, okay? Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's it's this it's it's an interesting uh, dynamic because it's a love and respect because not only is she a UP alum and, and somebody who 
um, is important to the city of Portland itself. But, you know, from a, from a values standpoint, you know, this, she is one of the great orators of, of, you know, social and, justice and, 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 and on, change on makers within stage. the sport. Yeah. Yeah. She, she has done so much, uh, you know, for the sport outside of the sport, been this outspoken and, and, sort of, you know, brash and, and, uh, exciting person over the years that, you know, she, she comes into this game hated obviously because she plays for LL rain. Yeah. It, but also a member of OL rain. So yeah, you know, that, that, that's not popular. <laughs> around no, not here. a popular position. I mean, she, <laughs> she's, she, she's given the double middle fingers to, to Thorns fans and many so, Thorns fans know. have given them back. Right back, and yes. and and so you know it's it, it it'll be an ambivalent feelings uh, about uh, uh about uh Rapino's return. Uh, it's an important a, game for a final time, but it's an important game just in the table for both teams. Uh, Ol Rain in a more precarious position than I think we expected them to be at this point, given how they looked early in the season. Sort of now dangling around that playoff line uh, after a loss over the weekend, and a team that's not been playing super great recently. Uh, so, but it, it, it's going to be a huge game and we'll see how the thorns react, uh, in a week plus his time, uh, in, uh, in, in that one. But I think, whereas I was, I was more sort of full steam ahead, uh, after the performance in Washington and after the performance, the tremendous performance, uh, against Carolina, uh, I think I rightly have a bit more pause. Now, because that performance against Louisville ain't going to get it done or be close to getting it done. Uh, and, and so we'll see what's next. But progress isn't always linear. In fact, it rarely is. Uh, and, and, and so if this is just a bump in their overall progression, uh, I think this could end up just being a, a, a blip that is much more easily forgotten about than, say, the Timbers 5-0 loss in Houston. Right. I think that the Thorns would like it to be their last performance of that type for the rest of the season. They need it to be their last performance it, of that type. It has type. to be. Yeah. Other, otherwise, their their chances for the Shield are, are likely out. Um, Even hosting not only a that, home game in the playoffs. Yeah, it's very questionable because of how tight the table is. Like there's, There is, as we have repeatedly said, no room for error in, in the table. This rain game in particular is, is huge because that sets up an opportunity because you would expect, you know, San Diego, who is going to play Kansas city next, you'd expect them to get three points out of that. Stay in first in the table, uh, with, with 33, regardless, you need three points out of this OL rain game badly to set, set up that game to be one where you can overtake San Diego and, and get into that top spot. So that with two games to go, against Gotham and Angel City if you're the Thorns uh you are in the driver's seat to win the shield that that's a big thing for this team look they don't just want to be champions they said from the start of the season that they want to to win the shield this year as well it's important to them um you know to to hang that banner in addition to the banner that they want to hang uh as back-to-back champs and and would be their fourth championship it's also a statement because like you're you're trying to be in your sort of playoff form and you want to make a statement against a team in San Diego that you're probably going to see down the line, whether it's in that championship match or or earlier in a semifinal boy, a rematch at Providence Park between those two teams uh, in the semis would would be a heck of a show for, for the fans. And, and, you know, after last year with Crystal Dunn's amazing goal at the end and everything else. But, um, you know, you, you want to control your destiny in a way where you set yourself up for a home game um and you you win that and you head down to san diego and whoever you play you play but it's irrelevant unless of course san diego is the team that you're going to play down there in which case that's a bit of a a tough draw uh a home field advantage undoubtedly even if they make the effort uh, to to try to make it as even as possible and as well as Thorns fans travel, particularly to beautiful places like San Diego. Um, it's going to be a, a pro wave crowd if that's the scenario. So a lot, a lot in the balance, these next few games, you know, they, they cannot afford to have another performance like that. And they also have to, to sort of start hitting the ground running a bit into the playoffs so that whenever Soph comes back, however many minutes she plays, she, 
can seamlessly integrate into a team that is in good form, regardless of, of how she feels, how many minutes she can play. Um, and so they can keep winning. Look, they, they don't want to be anywhere other than the top two seed. You don't, you don't want to be in a scenario where you got to play an extra game, regardless of if it's on the road or not. I don't think the thorns are in danger of missing the postseason, but no, they're in danger they, of that. I mean, just to just, you know, mathematically <laughs> again, what the, the playoff line, the six, uh, the the six seed is three points beneath them right now. So you know, yes. I mean, I mean, they they are in danger of that. I agree, they are one of the top six teams in the league, and from just a form perspective, they are they should be a playoff team. But a couple face plants like they had in Louisville, and they're very much in danger of missing the postseason altogether. And so, so you know, I mean, I, I think that knife edge is still there. Uh, and, 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 you know, I, I think it would, you know, I mean, all of those possibilities are possibilities, uh, which I, I think just puts a fine point on how much they need to bounce back from, uh, from, from this, this performance in Louisville. It's too bad. It really looked like it was going to be an opportunity to sort of consolidate their position as one of the few, no questions asked playoff teams. Uh, if they'd taken three points from that game, I think they would be in that spot, right? I mean, we would be talking – the, the only conversation would be shield or top two versus falling out of that top two. Uh, but because they didn't, because they took nothing from that game, uh, they I think they very much remain on that nice edge where shield and, and, and top two are still very much a possibility. They're there right now. But they've got a difficult run in. Uh, and they're going to have to play very well if they want to stay there and 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 take the shield at, at the end of the season. So, but I mean, falling out of the playoffs altogether is a possibility, uh, and it's not a a remote one. Quite candidly, would I uh, would I say they have a smaller chance of missing the postseason altogether than the Timbers have of making the postseason? Probably not. I think it's more likely that the Thorns miss the postseason altogether, given the difficulty of the games that they have. They've got to play the Rain, they've got to play the Wave, and they've got to play Gotham. Uh, that's three of their four remaining games, and those are all pretty good teams. Uh, and Angel City has had some legs recently as a result of their midseason signings as well. So that's not a kick over by any means. There's no, there's no gimme left on the schedule. And if they have a poor run-in, yeah, I think they have a bigger chance of missing the postseason than the Timbers have of, of, of even making it. And that's a terrifying door to leave open for a team that is trying to establish a dynasty, right? Yeah. If, if you, I mean, but it would this, be I mean, the, this is the what failure we talked about a few, failures. Uh, this yeah. is what we talked about a few weeks ago. The margin between establishing a dynasty and sort of becoming one of the sort of trademark legendary teams. I mean, teams, not necessarily clubs, but like, you know, collections of players in NWSL history. The margin between doing that and looking at a long off season in which there are an awful lot of questions to answer uh is not is not huge right now it's it's razor thin it's really the thin NWSL. like it's it, there's so much parody in a good way we talked about parody in a bad way with the mls western conference this is this, this is, is competitive like parody <laughs> competitive parody and quality uh from from the top on into the middle and and you know potential towards the bottom yeah right? not so, not a stew of mediocrity no not not by any means there's i mean all six of those teams that are in the playoff picture right now if they were raising the trophy at the end of the season i wouldn't be surprised by credible. any of them yeah all credible champions in this league and that's what's i think so exciting but also i think would add legitimacy to a dynasty if the thorns were able to establish it right because the NWSL, I think the parity is only going to lessen as you add teams. It's just the nature of, you know, talent's pulling gonna players spread out. away. Talent's going to spread out. There will be more talent for sure that comes in that, you know, is in lower leagues that gets second looks and, and everything else. And it's going to be good for the league to expand. But this sort of cluster of unbelievably like talented teams that are legitimate championship contenders, that's not going to exist forever. So to make it through this era and and even say that you were quote unquote dominant, even if the standings were close, dominant in the sense that you win a bunch of championships, that's huge. And so that that eventuality exists as well, and I think is more likely 
frankly, than than obviously missing the postseason, just given everything that exists within the Thorns as a, as a sort of institution. You know, these players that they have on this team being, of course, the most important aspect of that, the veteran leadership, the the resolve, the ability to respond to adverse situations, whether in game or through a season or off the field or what have you. Um, they, they have every single ingredient that you want out of a team that can respond to this type of situation and push over the top because there's been uncertainty with, with great teams across sports for a long time. And of the best ones, the, the ones that sort of stand out across history are the ones that do respond. And I think that the, the thorns of, of all the teams in the league, I trust them the most to respond to that type of adversity. And here's the thing, you know, we've obviously talked about people's jobs being on the line a lot more with the timbers than we have the thorns this year for, I mean, good and very clear reasons. But the reality is we're being told at least you're being told. And then you're telling us uh, that the thorns are going to be sold sometime in the next three months or so. If things don't go well in these last four games, and either the Thorns miss the playoffs or they just sneak in and they get it bounced early. There's going to be a lot of incentive for new ownership to make some serious changes. Uh, and candidly, I, I think Mike Norris is probably coaching for his job right now. It is very common when new ownership comes into a club for them to want to have a fresh start on the sporting side of things. I think Karina LeBlanc is probably GMing for her job uh, right now, which is just inherent in the nature of what happens when you have leadership changes within a club, as is imminent for the Thorns. And the the way that they can secure those jobs is by saying, come on. I mean, we are the 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 leadership that has just led this team to a great finish in the, you know, a great finish. Uh, in 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 the regular season, a, a championship in the postseason, whatever it is, that's the way to secure the, those jobs. And I think that that's very much on the line right now. Uh, and so I, you know, this is this is a a hugely pivotal next few weeks for the Thorns on many 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 fronts. Uh, and I I think I I was feeling very good about it. <laughs> And, and very confident about it after the Washington game and after the performance against North Carolina at home, I'm feeling significantly less confident about it now. Not to say that I'm, I'm, I'm pessimistic about the Thorns, but I'm much less certain uh, than I was about them before, uh, before that Louisville performance. So we'll see. They've got, they've got four opportunities, including one in 10-ish days time, uh, to, to assure me that my my concern following that performance is, is unwarranted and that everything and that my confidence following those two good performances was warranted, but now they've got to do it. Quote from Megan Klingenberg this week that I thought was prescient ahead of this game. Is, is Kling the most quotable player in Portland right now? Yeah, no I, doubt. In yeah. My mind. Gotta be right. across, across any of the sports teams, pro or college in this state. Yeah. She, she is, she is definitely the most cool, which, which is just one. another way of saying the most interesting to talk to, which is, which I very much regard as, as just a compliment of her, her sort of honesty, forthcomingness and intelligence, but yeah. And it's, it's not a thing with cling where she's sort of, you know, just saying outrageous things or is like funny or no, 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 no. She is very like, thoughtful and intelligent in a way that you know i think is is so great for the sport and for the city to sort of have that that type of orator uh in 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 that space look she's she's somebody that's been around the block and knows all the people knows megan rapino and and so her quote from this week which i i will um i will add maybe some censorship too, since there are children listening family show little, little little 10 year olds that listen to soccer made in Portland out there. Uh, you don't need to cover your ears. I'll, I'll be good here. Um, she said, I think the greatest compliment that I and we could give her, her being Megan Rapino as the thorns is to kick her 
expletive when she comes to Providence Park. Pino's a great friend and an excellent person, and I love what she's done for the sport. She's totally changed the sport and the way that the sport is talked about and has made it clear that she's going to use her voice to stand up for things that other people won't stand up for. It's a much longer quote. She goes on to say a lot of, you know, really complimentary things about Megan Rapino. Um, and, and I'd like to sort of end our discussion today with that, with just sort of a reflection on, on Pino at the person, the player, we, we, we touched on it a little bit before, you know, what she's, she's spent to the game and to Portland and the sort of rivalry that exists there. But, um, you know, she is leaving behind a very important legacy in this sport and one that young players, some of them on the thorns like Sam coffee and, and, you know, Sophia Smith are, are going to sort of pick up the torch and continue to carry it when she's gone. Um, this is, this is a big deal that somebody like this is, is coming through Portland and sort of having her swan song and, and being given her, I think, deserved flowers. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I think there are a few ways to think about this and the impact that Rapino and her colleagues, and I do want to emphasize that, that her teammates, and this this permeates through Becky Sauerbrunn, uh, Crystal Dunn, uh, Alex Morgan, there have been a number of folks in this sort of class of women's national team players are legends, and I don't mean that in sort of the glib, really good player on the field way that that we use it a lot. Uh, I mean that in, like, they have fundamentally shifted the Overton window and the way people talk about the sport in the way people sort of interact with the sport and the way the sport is run uh, that I mean you basically almost never see in sports generally uh, and you know I mean to, to so there's there's I mean th- that is that is the level on which Rapino's uh, sort of legacy stands. She was a huge leading part of that. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say it was Megan Rapino to the exclusion of those other people because this was a full team effort. But Rapino was, was a clear leader and she was a public face of, of the fight, not just for equal pay, but just basic respect and safety. And, uh, and, I mean, that's, that's, that's legendary. She's also a, an unbelievably good and impactful player. Uh, I mean, she's been dominant for the, for the national team. She's been a, a phenomenal player in NWSL. Oh, um, and so she has sort of the, the, the way we'd ordinarily use legendary. She's got that too, but I think the 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 impact that you have to recognize, and I think you have to recognize the same impact for this entire class of women's national team players who have done so much to push the sport forward at times when the rest of the sport, mostly men in the sport, were kicking and screaming. They were pushing them forward. Uh, I I mean it's it it transcends how we talk about sports players. But I also, I, I, I couldn't agree more with Kling, and especially when you look at, at, at Pino's career and the fire that she brings to the field, it would be an insult to Megan Rapino if in her last game in Providence Park, you did anything less than, than give her your full honest-to-goodness effort and and full honest to goodness competition because Rapino among other among all the other things is one hell of a competitor and the way you respect a competitor is by competing uh and and I think that's that's exactly what Kling is saying in that quote is they plan to respect her and they plan to honor her by trying to kick the reins you know what when they come to town in, in 10 days time. And that's exactly the right way to do it. Uh, there, there's, there's no greater compliment that you could give to Megan Rapino than to say, in order to beat this player and in order to beat her team, I need to give my absolute best. 
That's how you honor her, and and she deserves that. One final note: I played the Thorns Rain game in FIFA yesterday, um, and if if it isn't any indication, um, it's a terrifying prospect for for the Thorns because it was a two one victory for for the Rain. I played as the Thorns. Um, I played against the world class AI. Uh, did not play well. Had not played FIFA in several months, actually. So, you know, I was a bit rusty. A lot of excuses here, but that's beside the point. I, Your referees uh, I lost... were bad too, right? No, they weren't. Uh, they, they were. <laughs> they were okay. the The virtual referees were okay. I'm, I'm never gonna gonna blame them. Uh, it, it was an interesting <laughs> little narrative. So, if if we're peering into the crystal ball that is FIFA, you know. In this match, Megan Rapino picks up a yellow card in like the ninth minute for a dirty tackle. That, of course, would set Providence Park on fire. There'd be a lot of real intensity threaded throughout the game. Um, but, you know, my defensive issues, my my issue defending in transition, which I think is a pertinent one for the real life thorns, uh, came back to bite me. And I, I lost two to one on two goals from Megan Rapino, one one on a penalty, which Becky Sauerbrunn in her return came back in and unfortunately committed a penalty uh, and and set Rapino up for the first goal. And then then Pino finishes off the winner in like the 78th minute or so. Horrifying if you're a Thorns fan to imagine that. But just wanted to to showcase the crystal ball of FIFA for for a second there. And and do people want to know, you know, the comfort that you can take from this whole thing. That's not real. That's a video game that Ryan played. <laughs> that is not real life. No, no, it is not. Thankfully <laughs> for, uh, for the thorns and for thorns fans, but you know that there's, there's your potential narrative creation that, that happened organically out of, out of my video game. Organically um, out of something that is fake. Yes. Out of something that is not real. <laughs> um, so the real the real ones this Saturday, next um, Saturday, next Saturday, a week uh, from Saturday. Yeah, a week this, from this Saturday is Jerry, my dog's sixth birthday. Happy birthday, Jerry! Happy birthday, Jerry! Everybody, tweet at Soccer Maiden PDX. Happy birthday, Jerry! We will retweet all of them. Uh, <laughs> follow us on on that platform at Soccer Maiden PDX. Ryan T. Clark and Chris Reifer. Uh, like us, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, looking ahead this weekend to to the Timbers game on Saturday against LAFC. That's a seven thirty p.m. kickoff at Providence Park. I will obviously be there. Um, so so see y'all around the park. Uh, Chris, will you be there on Saturday? I will not be. Jerry's birthday. Oh right, we're, you got to throw a party. We're going to the coast. Uh, I mean, we're going to the beach, which is where dogs go on their birthday. So oh, dude, uh, so, I got. So, I will be checking in virtually, not unlike your video game. Yes, that's outstanding for Jerry that he gets a beach trip for his birthday. I, I hope to have a birthday as good as Jerry's will be. Yeah. Um, so subscribe to us wherever you get your pods. Leave a review if you so choose. Back next week. Thanks for joining us. 